Well, good morning, everybody. We'd like some lights up here, please. I think those are the wrong lights. Number three, please. Number three. I know, I know. I was like, hey, um, uh, I, I wore a pink shirt. We're going to put pink light on me on top. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to The Edge, and thank you for those that are watching at home. Uh, we, uh, you read the title right. If you've got our notes or if you saw it online, this is a message you don't want to hear. I just want you to know that right now. Uh, you may notice that at the beginning of most of my messages, I start with something that brings you in, right? I, I like to say something that creates interest, draws you into the message. Today, I'm going to kind of do the opposite of that. Instead of trying to create interest, I'm going to tell you why we are, you may not even like the theme that I'm trying to cover today, right? You know, so as, as churches, we're trying to, as a, as a group of believers, we're trying to show people what the church is supposed to look like, right? Who God is, who, who, we're trying to open up doors, we're trying to do things. And so we look at these attributes of God, as we look at these attributes of God, how do they fit? How do they connect? How is it supposed to be? If this is an attribute of God, how does it connect to us going out and doing the work of the church? And some say that today is the least popular attribute of God, but it's the most mentioned in the Bible. It's actually mentioned 637 times in the Bible, but we don't talk about it a lot, right? We don't, we, you know, we don't really... We, we, we don't really spend a whole lot of time covering this attribute of God. We, we spend a lot of time, you know, and, and really this, this, if this was to grab a hold of you, it would shake you. It would rock your foundation. It would change everything about you. It would stir you to move different things. It would make you drop to your knees in repentance. So it would happen. See, the problem is, is that we like to, we like to pick and choose the portions of the Bible that we want to apply to our lives rather than taking all of the attributes of God and applying them to our lives. And so as you're listening to this, this may be the aptitude of God, sorry, uh, that you don't want to hear, but you most, you probably need to hear it the most. You probably need this the most. So here's where we're going to start at. We're going to spend some time in Isaiah. So you're going to open up to Isaiah 6, and we're going to go in verses 1 through 4. And it says, so I'll give you a second to get there while I take a sip of water. Obviously, I've had too much coffee this morning because I'm a little hyped up already. Usually means it's going to be good. Usually. Sometimes, though, that could be a little false. <laughs> Just be honest. So as you get there, open up to Isaiah 6. If you don't have a Bible, steal the Bible in the chair in front of you. On the, you can have that one. It's yours. Uh, if you do have a Bible, you should learn where this is at. This is where you start hearing about Jesus for the first time. And so uh, spend some time here. It says, in the, king, in, the, in, that, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two wings, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth 
is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Now, I want you to, there's some context to this. So as you read this, you're like, first off, what are seraphims? So seraphims, that's the only time they're mentioned in the Bible, by the way. It's the only place that you'll see them. And it's just, I want you to imagine an angel with a set of wings. Now add another set of wings on the top and add another set of wings on the bottom and wrap them around. So it's an angel that's wrapped up, and, 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 but it's still flying, right? This is what it says here. And so you should understand something. King Uz, his, he started his reign at 16 years of age. He was the king at 16 years of age, and he lasted for 52 years. So he dies at 68 years old. So you just kind of get this. This is some context here. And this is an end of an era. So, so think about this. As major shift happens, major shift, you had a leader for 52 years and you've, you've known what the consistency is going to be. So now all of a sudden you have a new leader coming in and you're like, going, oh, what's going to change? It's, gonna, it's a whole state of confusion. It's a time of loss. It's a time where people are scared and they're unsettled. They don't know what's going to happen now. And the prophet Isaiah comes out and he sees the Lord high and exalted, right? He's up there and he's seated at the throne and he's got his robe fills the temple. So just imagine... This room, this room, we'll just use this room as an example, even though this is a little smaller than what you would call a, a temple back then. Not much smaller, but a little smaller. The, that he's sitting at the throne, but yet the whole room is covered with a garment that is just his, is the, the tail of his, of his robe. I mean, it's massive. You're not going anywhere with it without all of these people carrying it for you. And so... You know, above the Lord are these six-winged creatures, and they were worshiping Yahweh, is what they're saying here. And the, as they were worshiping, this gives us the impression of how we should be in here, as they're worshiping, the temple shook. As we're worshiping, it should shake in here. It should be one of those things. You know why, if you go back in history and would go to, you go to Pennsylvania, you would hear, anybody ever hear of a group of people called Quakers? Their names are Quakers. Because when their pastor would preach, the floor would shake from underneath them. That's how much the word would be resonating in the place. Our worship should resonate to where the place shakes. People feel it. It vibrates. And the room is full of smoke. So it's biblical for us to be using a haze machine. So we're going to get one next week. No kidding. No. So, so... I mean, you could say we were, they were burning incense or they were using the haze machine. Who knows? You know, it was one of those things. But, but as they were sitting there, it's, the, it's this time where they're mentioned. And so they use these two wings, you know, the seraphim, they use these wings to fly, two wings to, to, to cover their face because of the overwhelming presence of God. They're covering their face because to look at God in this, in this it's the overwhelming presence of God. And they cover their feet because they're positioned on holy ground. That's what's happening here. And they sing in Hebrew. So what you're hearing is you're hearing them singing, and it's kadush, is the word holy. And so you hear this over and over again. And so when you hear the word holy, 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 when you repeat in Hebrew culture, it signifies importance. It's, when you repeat a word, it's to, it's, it's to emphasize how important it is. So it's kind of 
You know, when you'd see when people would respond, it would be Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know, like where people would come at this. It's to signify how important it is. You know, like you can just use it like Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. How important it is just to be all right. Right? You know, it's just kind of, I, I don't know. Don't give me that look. I'm telling you guys. See, it's the only attribute of God that is actually repeated three times in a row. We hear, we hear mercy, we hear power, we hear love. That's what, it, it's the only one, it's Kadush is repeated, holy, holy, holy. It's the only one that's done that way. See, in our culture, holiness gets thrown around. Right? I mean, think about it. We use it in church, it's holy communion, it's holy matrimony, it's the Holy Ghost, the Holy Grail. Holy cow, holy, holy moly, holy smoke, holy hell, oh no, right? Isn't that what kind of happens? Holy cannoli. Just gets thrown around. Holy, I mean, you can just, how many other ones can we, come on, just get them out of your system. I know you want to say it. Just come on, go ahead and spit it out. Except for the S one where Daniel usually would just drop it in and, you know, but, I know, I know. See, See, understand something, that word holy is, 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 is attributed to Christians. You know, but often, it's negative. Have you ever noticed that? You ever notice that when it's attributed to Christians, it's, oh, those are those holy rollers. Oh, oh they think they're holier than thou. Right? You know, it, it, it's, it's, it signifies rigid and judgmental and hypocritical. That's what it signifies. You hear, you hear holiness and you go, well... Those are boring people. Never. That's the only people that are holy are boring people. See, we, let's clear up some things here. Holiness means to be separate, yeah. to set apart, to cut, to be a cut above, right? That's what it means. I want, you know, I, I have it in my notes. Tony Evans, who's a pastor, he's, you ever notice something about dishes? You ever, have you ever bought dishes at Target? Have you ever bought dishes at Walmart? And have you ever bought dishes at Bed Bath & Beyond? Have you ever noticed that they're kind of set apart? Then you know, if you go to Walmart, you're like, "Ooh, man, how do you sell a plate for forty cents? How, how does it? I mean, is it built out of what is it made out of? I mean, like, is it just, is it spitting dust? I don't understand." And then you go to Target, they're a dollar forty-eight or two dollars, and you get there, and that two-dollar plate, it looks just like the one-dollar plate, but it feels a little different. You're like, "Man, it's just." And then you get to Bed Bath and Beyond, and you're like, "Why is the same plate a dollar forty? At Target, but it's $24 here. I don't understand. It's set apart. It's, 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 it's a cut above. Right? So here's the understanding here. As Christians, we are the cut above. We should stop acting like the 40-cent plate at Walmart. Like, I don't understand. Like, why do we go? I, you know, I don't, I'm not saying you shouldn't shop at Walmart, but what I'm saying is that you should not act like the regular clientele there showing up with your sweats on and your booty hanging out. <laughs> Just playing. Show them how you want. I get it, you know. Be like them. Go ahead. I told you it was going to be good. <laughs> Holiness needs to be set apart. God is separate. God is separate. He's set apart. How about this? You know what God's set apart from? From everything. Amen. He is set apart from everything. You know, here's what it says. If you go, if you go into scripture, here's what it says. who among the gods is like you, Lord? 
Who is like you, majestic holiness? Exodus 15, 11. Who is like you like this? Completely, thoroughly, fully, entirely holy. Who is like you? And see, here's the thing. Just think about the words that we use to describe God. He's all good. He's pure. He's righteous. He's perfect. Without fault, without blemish. He is infinite. He is immeasurable. And he is incomprehensible. These are all things that we use. See, God is self-existent, self-sustaining, and self-sufficient. Just, I, just think about this. God has wisdom he didn't need to learn. God has strength he didn't need to earn. God has love he didn't even have to know how to give it. He just knew. It was just like one of those things. He just loved. It was just one of those things. It happened. God is who is, was, and is to come. There is no one like our God. It, it just, just take that for a moment. There's no one like our God. No one. Nothing. People have been asking it for years, though. Who is like you, God? Nobody. Nobody. Here's what happens, though, in Isaiah. So we're still in Isaiah 6. We're in verse 5 and 7 now, or 5 through 7. And, it says, and here's what Isaiah goes. He goes, woe to me. Like, like, he recognizes he's in the presence of God, and he goes, woe to me. I, I have to slow down. Like, he wasn't talking about a horse, like, oh, hold on, buddy. We're about to jump off a cliff. He put the, the bit in his own mouth and pulled himself back and said, whoa, slow down here. See, this is what happens when you get into God's presence. He goes, woe to me. And he goes, I cried. I am ruined. I'm telling you right now, if God walked in the door right now, we would drop to our knees. We might tinkle on ourselves a little bit, and then we would go, ruined. That's what would happen. If God walked in here right now, you would go, How do, is this exit working? I'm out. Because to be in his presence, you would know one of two things is happening. One, the rapture is coming. Two, you're in deep doo-doo. You would know that. And so how do you express this? You go, I am ruined. And so here's what he says, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand. By the way, this live coal, anybody ever seen dead coal? It's black. You've gotten it at the, you've gone to the store, you bought some, some briquettes, you got it out, it was black. A live one is white. It's white. And he comes up, and, he, and then one of them, with a light, and he, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, he takes it from there, and with it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, and your guilt has been taken away, and your sin atoned for. See, Isaiah doesn't join in praising God. He doesn't worship. You know what he does? He confesses. It's the first thing he does. He confesses, and he goes, Woe to me, I am ruined. I am ruined. God didn't say a word. He was just there. He didn't say a single thing. He didn't look at Isaiah and go, oh boy, your mouth has, has written a check that your butt ain't going to cash today. He didn't say anything like that. But, but here's what Isaiah is. He's like, my mouth, I've said things. I've done things. I, I, I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. And as a prophet, his mouth was the holiest part of him. I mean, just think about that. Everything that came out of his mouth, people around him would be hanging on to it as if it was the only, the only drop of water in a 
in a dry and parched land. They would be sitting there and go, please tell us more. And so he says this, and he goes, this, his lips were the holiest part of him. And, and so here's what Billy Graham has to say about this. He says, only when we understand the holiness of God will we understand the depth of our sin. Only when we understand the holiness of God will we understand the depth of our sin. Think about this. Jesus tried to give us a little way to easily comprehend it. Jesus said, if you look at a woman with desire, you've already committed the act of sex with her. Just looking at her with desire. You've already thought about it. Thinking about it is just as bad as doing the deed. So, so if you think about being in God's presence, every thought that you've had that's been negative, that's been of, of uh, whatever nature, that has not been a thought that has been set apart. Because scripture clearly tells us to take every thought captive. Why? Because it causes you to sin. Take it captive. Don't allow your mind to wander. Don't allow, that's why you hear that a, an idle mind is the devil's playground. Because it leads you to sin. It leads you to a place where brokenness, it leads you to a place where you're, you're already sinning before you've actually committed the act. You're planning it. You're plotting it. it, it as a kid, maybe you've ever, you've ever heard this. Hey, if we were to rob a bank, how would we do it? Right? I, I mean, I'm telling you. I read a book that was a Christian leader's book. It was called How to Knock Over a 7-Eleven and Other Ministry Things. That was the name of the book. What does that make your mind lead to? I mean, granted, the opening chapter says, if you think this book is really about robbing a 7-Eleven, you should put it back now. You know. <laughs> but, but that's what happens, is that our minds wander. And, and, we, and, and see, we don't understand how holy God is, because if we did, every time that we came into his presence, our, our language would change, our demeanor would change, how we thought about things would change, everything would change. And guess what? His presence is everywhere. You don't escape his presence. He's everywhere. <sighs> I love how Isaiah confesses his sin before he even confesses the sin of his community. He goes, first thing he says, I am a man of unclean lips. And the community we live in, they are too. <laughs> you should know this. We, we are just people that are unclean. We, 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 you know, and see... See, many self-righteous Christians, Christians do the opposite, right? They, 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 they point out all these things. You, you see, they think that their self-righteous is only possible when you compare yourself to other people. You, you know, instead of looking at being in the presence of God is where you get the self-righteousness at, and they're not, he's not worried about other people's sins because you're just going, this is how I live, but you become so highly aware of your own in the presence of God that you, all of a sudden you just, your mind dwindles and drips off and goes into some other place. We get to the self-righteous position by going, my sin isn't as bad as their sin. My sin isn't as bad as, I, I, yeah, I, make some, I do some things, but it's not as bad as that. But if you get into scripture, scripture clearly tells us that all sin is punishable by one thing. All sin. All sin. It doesn't matter what it is. Stole a pen, death. So you got divorced? Guess what? There's a thing though. Jesus came. Jesus paid the price for all sin. Every one of them. Whether your sin is, 
it's, it's a stolen pen, a lie that you told, whatever it is, all of those sins. He paid the price for all of them. He didn't just go, no, 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 we're going to pay the price for this one, but not that one. That one is, Jesus' blood isn't good enough for that. And you can put that, whatever category you want. You can, you can lump it up over there. You, you want to be conservative and go, marriage is this? Well, that, that Jesus paid the price for that sin too. Jesus paid the price for all of these sins. And we get to this point where we go, no, 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 no. He didn't pay the price for that. He paid the price for all of it. He, he, we, <laughs> you are pure. You are golden now. You have the golden ticket. But that doesn't mean that you get to keep doing it. See, that's, there's a difference. There's a major difference here. So you have sin that you've committed, you've been forgiven for. Then you have sin that you just keep doing. There's a difference. Because Jesus said plenty of times, now stop doing that and follow me. Well, Jesus, I've been robbing banks. Well, stop doing that and follow me. Well, uh, 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 what am I going to do for a living? I don't know. Follow me and you'll find out. <laughs> Jesus, I've been lying all my life. Well, stop doing that and follow me. Jesus, I've been doing this. Whatever it is that you see as a sin, he said, stop doing that. I paid the price for it. Now, if you continue living that way, that's a whole different story. That, that raises your question. You know, I get this question all the time, and, I, and I'm just going to tell you. Some people go, Mike, what are your beliefs? Is it once saved, always saved? Or is it, is it that, you know, is it that you can lose your salvation? Is it that you can do this? or you can do, It's yes and. It's yes and. So here's the thing. Once saved, always saved. The problem is, if you lost your salvation, you probably didn't get saved originally. That's probably what it is. It's probably once saved, always saved. But if you didn't, if you're all still committing sin, you probably didn't actually have an encounter with Jesus. You had a manifestation that we created here in the sanctuary, that you got the goosebumps, that you, you felt the, the, the spirit of God descend upon you. You thought that you were speaking in tongues and fire was shooting out of your head. But now that was just us putting smoke in the room, playing an awesome video on here, and you had an artificial encounter with God, and you walked out and said, I'm saved, but you didn't really have a true encounter with Jesus. The reason why you would know that is because you would run and go tell all of your friends, you have to come meet this Jesus because this is what he did in my life, and this is what he knew about me. That's how you would know. It wouldn't be one of these things that you only experienced here in church. You would experience it everywhere, and you would be telling people. It would ooze off of you. You'd be like, you have to meet this Jesus. I know that I look crazy, but you have to meet him because he knew things about me. He told things about me. He changed my life. And without that, whoo, I think you get it. Because Isaiah got it. He said, I am ruined. He said, I'm lost. I am undone. I am preparing to be destroyed. And see, I, <laughs> Isaiah doesn't even try to negotiate with God. He doesn't go, hey, I got a, if you, if, hey, I'll start tithing if you do this. <laughs> you know, he doesn't try to negotiate. I, I'll start doing this. I'll repent if you do this. No, no, no. He repents. He begs for forgiveness. And he promises change. This is what he does. <laughs> God sends seraphim with burning coil and touches Isaiah's lips. And he says here in Isaiah 6, 7, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. That's the same thing he sent Jesus for. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Now stop doing it. Now start moving forward. See, God is so good that he initiated the atonement. He got initiated. He, he said, and it says, even if you go to Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Who was God? God is holy, holy, holy. So here's the thing. And here's this quote. If God is holy, then he can't stand sin. And if God can't stand sin, then he can't sin against you. Right? That's just how it is. And if he can't sin against you, shouldn't you and shouldn't that make you the most and make him the most trustworthy individual than being that there is? Isn't that what it should do? Well, and why isn't that we do that? Because he is holy, you can trust him. Because he is holy, you can trust him. Holy, holy, holy can only do one thing. It's be holy. He can only do good. There is no darkness against him. He never sins. He, he cannot lie. And you can trust him. You see, we miss out on all of these things. And, and so when you go back to Isaiah 6, so I got you jumping around a little bit. It says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Here I am. So here's the thing. Too long in church, we've had this mindset that the pastor does all the saving. The pastor does all the work. The pastor does the job of going out and, and preaching the word. The pastor does this. The pastor does this. And the problem is, that's not what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be just the pastor doing the work. It's supposed to be all of us. Each and every one of us has a job that we're called to go do. Each and every one of us has been called to go out and be a minister. Each and every one of us has been called to go out and to reach the lost. Each and every one of us has been called to go work the harvest. And the problem has been is that we continue to put it on the work, on the, on the back of the priest and the pastors and the, 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 all of the workers that we think that are in the church, the administrators. We go, no, 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 that's, not, that's their job. And, and yet, we're supposed to respond the way that Isaiah responds. Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. Here I am. I'm ready to go. I may not be 100% prepared. I may not be ready for, to dive into this because I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. I have no idea where I'm supposed to go. I have no idea. But here I am, send me. And see, the problem is we're afraid of that statement. We're afraid of going, here I am, send me, because we always imagine the first thing that comes to mind is going, well, you know what he's going to send me? He's going to send me to Madagascar. That's what our thought is. You know, we go, oh my God, here I am, send me. You're going to send me off to some place that's deep, dark in the places that I don't want to go. Well, chances are he's going to send you to go correct your own damn sin first. It's where he's going to go. He's going to go, you need to go back home and work on your relationship with me before he ever sends you to go work on a relationship with anybody else. He's never going to go tell you, hey, go help restore the broken. Go restore, go help offer restoration to this community if you haven't been restored. You have to start working on becoming holy. You have to start working on, on becoming this individual that God said, I want you to be set apart. I want you to be the $25 plate at Bed Bath & Beyond, not the 40 cent one at Walmart. That's what he wants you to be. He wants you to be the, the Tiffany silver, right? The Tiffany jewelry, not the, the stuff that you order or you get over at uh, <laughs> QBC or you go to Claire's Boutique in the mall and be like, hey, I got 40 pairs of earrings for $9. I don't understand. 
you know, you, you see, you have to understand something. And when you buy something from, from Tiffany's or when you buy something from these places and it's registered, guess what? Your, your name is logged. It said that you are part of the club. You, you buy something for Tiffany's. They never stop sending you stuff, by the way. Here's a, here's a catalog. Buy something else. Here's a postcard. Come buy something. Here's this. Because you are registered. You are in their book. When you come and you have this true encounter with Jesus, you are in the book. You are in the book. Get up there. Get in the book. Stop trying to wander around going, I'm lost. I'm hurting. Just have an encounter with Jesus. Just have an encounter with Jesus and go, I'm, God, send me. Here I am. I, I'm, I'm willing. I'm ready. I, I'm, I'm ready to be used. I'm ready to, to just lay it all down because I know that I'm hurting. I'm sacrificing. I'm, I just use me. Take me. Here I am. And see, that's the problem. We go, I can't trust you, God. You're going to send me to this place. You're going to send me to this place. And he's just going, no, I want to send you right here. The work is right out this door, right outside. We can walk out right now and just walk right out to here to the gate. There's somebody there that needs, that needs to know who Jesus is. We can walk right down to the end of the street, go over here to the trail. We don't have to go out to Madagascar. We don't have to go to India. We don't have to go to China. We don't have to go anyplace because... The need is great right here. Right here. We don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to go do anything that's uncomfortable because we have God with us. And he already says, if I am with you, then who could be against you? If I am with you, who could be against you? But embrace it. Embrace it. Recognize when you're in his presence. Start to, like, we're going to worship again. I want you to know that. I want you to know that we're going to worship, and we're going to worship in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that I want us to worship to where we, the building shakes. That's what I want us to worship as, that, because that's what it's like when we worship, we should be shaken. It should be, there should be, and we're not Quakers, because Quakers are kind of weird, but we're going we're gonna to be shaking the foundation of this place. We, we can be shakers, we can be that. We, how, about, how about we just be edges? How about that? You know, we just be on the edge. We can do. So here's the thing. This man with unclean lips, one chapter later, one chapter later, you should know that Isaiah prophesizes 700 years before Jesus' birth. Here's what he says. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah 7, 14. So here's the thing. Jesus is God in the flesh. He's holy, he's perfect, and he's loving. And see, what we have to remember is that he didn't come for the righteous. He told us clear as day, I came for the unrighteous. I didn't come for the holy, I came for the unholy. I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. See, here's the thing. There are countless people that are leaving Christianity today because we have COVID, right? They're going, ah, oh, I don't have to go to church anymore. No, scripture tells us you have to be in church. They're walking away thinking, ah, oh, I can do it all on my own. I can do it by myself. I'll zoom it. No, 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 no. That doesn't work. Sorry to those that you're watching at home. If you're sick. <laughs> keep watching at home. See, that's the thing. I got to say, where else can you go and experience the holiness of God? Where else can you go and experience anyone that's like him? There's no place that you can go. Here, here look at Psalms. Psalms 3510. Here's what David comes out to say. He says, with every bone in my body, I will praise him. Lord, who can compare with you? Who else rescues the helpless from the from the strong, who else protects the helpless and the poor from those who rob them? Who does it? 
Jesus does. That's who does it. Who else can save you? Who else can heal you? Who else can forgive your sin? Who else redeems you? Who else can comfort? Who else will promise never to leave you? Who else is always there for you? If God is for you, who can be against you? Who else? See, when you experience the holiness of God, it stirs you. It moves you. It changes things. You fall flat on your face in worship. When you experience him, you fall to your knees in repentance because there is no one like him. There is no one like him. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up with me. If you can stand and stand. Here's what I want you to do. Stand up and we're going to sing. I have no idea what we're going to sing, but we're going to sing something because I told him, I said, you got a free game here. You're going to come up and, and here's what we're going to do. So we're going to make it simple. Ready? How great is our God? our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Let's sing that chorus again. How great is our God. As you, as you start in this, I, I know right now is an experience, is a time where you can look at this and go, I feel the presence of God, I feel a change, I feel something manifesting inside of me, and you can walk out right now going, God, I know that you are doing something, or you can take it as an experience that we just created here, and I promised you it's not an experience we created, we didn't walk through this, try to figure it out, we just said, let it manifest the way that God would have it right now.
What I would ask you to do is I would ask you to allow God to manifest in your life and you start to experience how holy he is, how much he wants you to be part of his kingdom, how much he wants to be part of you to be part of building his kingdom, not just for you to sit here and go, I'm going to sing songs, I'm going to come to church and get my pew miles and go all my way, but to be living in it, embracing it, doing the work of it every day, walking out, going, God, here I am, use me. Here I am. Bring, use me to help fulfill your will upon this world, upon this land, upon this community, upon this church. Use me. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for, for an opportunity for an encounter. Thank you for an opportunity to be, to be spoken to by you, to, to see this, this manifestation where I can see you being holy, 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 and I, can, and I can walk out and go, God, I know that you have called me to do something so much greater than what I've ever anticipated, than what I've ever thought of, that imagine, that I, everything that I've even thought I can imagine to do that you've already said, I've seen what I ask of you and I want you to move with me. I'm sending you, I'm sending you to do this work, to reach your coworkers, to reach your family, to reach all of those around you, those that you come in contact with that, that the love of God should just pour off of you. God, help, help each one of us first feel your love. Help each one of us come to know who you are and have a true spiritual manifestation to where we have this encounter. We walk away going, you have to come meet this Jesus. You have to come meet him. He wants he want to meet you. He wants to know you. He loves you. Father, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for this, this opportunity for a newness, a new, a new walk, a new, a new thing. God, you said, I am doing a new thing in the land, and we believe, and we are stepping into the new thing that you are doing in this land right now. Father, we don't know what it looks like. We don't know what it is, but we know that you use all things for your good, and so we will step into that going, I... I even the bad things you use for good for somehow, some way, some things that we don't see, we don't understand, but we know that you only have something good for us. Father, thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people say, amen. amen.